guys, this is uh, this is new territory, I think, for everyone everywhere. I don't think any of us have ever encountered anything quite like this. I wasn't alive during the Spanish flu. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I wasn't. <laughs> well, so, so this time has caused a lot of reflection for pastors and, and churches and, and one way or another are comparing to each other what's best practices. In some sense, we are making this up as we go along. In the other sense, we are holding ourselves to Scripture. Uh, and one of the things I'd like just to kick us off with, uh, Brian, you shared a tweet by Sam Alberry, which was just profound and hit part of a heartbeat of sort of what's going on, a lot of the sentiment. And he said this, Maybe God is, uh, excuse me, yeah, maybe God has given us exactly what we've been wanting. We've prioritized individualism over community, the material over the relational, and the virtual over the physical, and now we have it more than we can likely manage. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, I, I read that and I was struck by how profound the statement was as well. And I, I mean, we don't have the, the secret thoughts of God, I mean, we can't and our limited, uh, finite minds understand completely and perfectly what God is doing. But to, to a degree, I think we really have prioritized individualism over community. And, and being isolated as individuals, it's caused a hungering and a longing for community that I think is just palpable. Mm -hmm. And we, we long to be together even on Sundays. And so this, this isolation, this individualism that we've got probably had more than we can handle at some level, we have to say this is a gift from God to just repurpose what what is truly important. And we realize community is important. So, and maybe some of you guys would speak to the other issues, but yeah, I, I was just struck by mm. the profundity, to yeah. use a big word, of that, that statement. Mm. I think of John Piper's sentence, he says, don't waste your suffering. I think don't waste this time. Just a couple of interactions I had with people, uh, one of the guys said, like, it's like God hit this reset button, and he, families aren't together, are not forced to be together. I saw this on Facebook, somebody posted, well, I finished Netflix, <laughs> and, and there's right now a national yeah. puzzle shortage, because people are like, we're done with the virtual, we want to do something together, mm. right? and there's a privilege to that, not, everybody, not everywhere in the world can do that, but... Let's not waste this time. So what are the things we can be doing during this time uh, so we don't waste it? I think prayer, prayer for sure, prayer for our church members, for our family. Just, uh, I, I just think it should be a call to prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think just to echo what you were saying, um, families spending more time together. I, I think coming out of this, for at least for my house, it, it's gonna be a part of the new normal, it's gonna be sharing dinner together. And we did that for a while, and then you just kinda of get busy in seasons of life, and uh, you have teenagers in the home that are busy and going, and it's just been so nice just to be able to sit around the dinner table and talk about the day and have time and prayer together. It's, it's been really good. Mm -hmm. and, you know, <clears throat> One, one good thing besides being able to be together to eat and to pray, but those of us with teenagers, we're seeing them more than we ever did Yeah, because they, they can't go out. Mm. Uh, that's one thing that's been positive to me. Yeah. Mm. 
I think something that we often forget about, but we shouldn't, and that is especially during this time we're filling our minds with entertainment and all this stuff when something we should be doing to not waste our time, not waste our lives, is really digging into the Word of God during this mm. time. We've got so much time on our hands that we don't typically have in this kind of a season. And it's really a great opportunity for us to dive into the Word. And I've been in Deuteronomy recently, and I've just been really struck with the way that Moses is talking about, you know, he's spent the last several books of the Bible giving the, the Word and the law of God to the people. And then in Deuteronomy 12 and 13, he just says over and over again, he says, be careful to obey these commandments. Be careful to obey and listen to the word of God. And we can't be careful to obey if we don't even know what it says. You know? yeah. it's, it's super important for us mm. to dig in to know what this says. And instead of watching whatever show it is that you like, but I, I've told a couple people this, The Office is definitely the show that I've been hooked on. <laughs> like it's, it's just, it's great, it's wonderful. But The Office actually played a big role in me wanting to get to know my Bible better, get to know God's Word better, because... Oh, this would be good. Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> well, basically I noticed, like, anytime anything happened, I had an Office reference for what was going on in life. Mm. Versus. Versus, you know, how awesome would it be if I could just recall places of Scripture with everything that was going on in life? Mm. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to say, there's an episode of The Office, <laughs> and I just driven. realized I needed to read the word. <laughs> but, but what you said is much better. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> well, rifting on what, on what you said, Brian, we've, before COVID hit, we were, uh, Wednesday nights were filled, the thing, <clears throat> one of our kids had, you know, wrestling in one night, um, and then we had a Bible study on another night. And then Sunday nights were filled, um, and we had really been neglecting our family worship time together. Mm -hmm. And this has been a time that we just been able to dig deeper. And just yesterday, for example, I would, we, so creating these, dare I say, liturgies, these rhythms, these reflexes of of prayer, uh, giving thanks, and and then studying God's word. Yesterday, when one of our congregants uh, ended up going into surgery, we were in the car together. And uh, Laura and I said, like, well, let's pray for so-and-so. And we did. And then we didn't expect our kids to jump in and pray. And then they prayed. Mm -hmm. we, and we're just like, and so we're up there. I, I, you know, like, praise the Lord. Like, it's so, we're doing something right. And part of that is we just can't neglect the time with their kids. And so when we return, I don't know what normal is going to look like when we go back to things. Mm -hmm. But there's some things I just don't want to go back to. Yeah. So. So you're talking about being in the Word, and uh, you talked. You mentioned I finished Netflix. Uh, you know, one resource that we try to put out. I don't know if you guys have had much chance to browse around on it. Right now, media. Uh, I, I've had I've had comments from church members that have just expressed how much they appreciate that they're um, studying through the the Book of Mark with uh, Francis Chan or. You know other other videos they're they're watching that are enriching their spiritual lives during this time, and uh, we even have some of our partners overseas that have access to write down media, and it's been a blessing to them and their family during this situation. So 
um, I, I would just encourage us if, if you're not utilizing that and then of course the congregation kind of overhearing this conversation they they should, they should certainly uh, if they haven't activated that resource plug it in it's a great tool just to supplement if you're going to be streaming uh, stream something that's going to be edifying every once in a while yeah maybe on the and that's good because we're creating an alternative diet to just yeah. office 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 and <clears throat> michael what standing is he's going to do this time so i love the office too uh what bringing us like to a broader scope something all of us are plugged in on facebook to some degree and we've seen this where there's been these um really let's call them spats between one extreme is hey we should we need to reopen the economy so a collapse other extreme is uh if we reopen everybody will die and it seems but it seems it is become a toxic environment on facebook how is it that we can love each other be charitable to each other's needs and and hold to these two very important things in tension what do we do in something that's complex like that Uh, well, the reality is there's there's just not a simple answer when we have things in tension and we experience tension in life quite regularly. Um, we experience tension in the new life in Christ and the and the flesh that that wars against us. And if there was just a simple, quick fix answer to that, then that'd be great. And I think this is a situation where we where we're going to experience some natural tension. Um, mm-hmm. I think a key word you mentioned is charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to learn how to be charitable to one another, especially in social media. If we can't express the truth in love, uh, then there's really not much point in expressing truth because it's, mm-hmm. it's not going to be well received. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that I would just encourage us and, and those listening to this conversation, um, I think I, I saw this on Twitter. I don't remember who posted it, but I think it was Thomas Kidd. Uh, his okay. professor at Baylor University said, just because a subject is up for discussion on Twitter doesn't mean you have to chime in. <laughs> and, and you don't. I mean, just because there's a, a point out there doesn't mean that you're obligated to just dive in and, and be divisive and, mm. and have a hardline stance. It seems like, I mean, for sure, being quarantined, <clears throat> one of the best ways we can communicate with us is social media. Maybe and maybe that that's a double-edged sword because we don't filter our thoughts. There's so many times somebody would post something, and I'm thinking, if I was standing face to face with you, you would never say it that way, and vice versa. And then you know, sparks in the keyboard. You want to launch those nukes back, and I call in a second. So I, I, so coming back to something you said of like studying the word, a lot of it, <coughs> social media, maybe I call it even slander, is just a violation of the ninth commandment to bearing false testimony against somebody. And it's, if I can picture the fact that I'm in relationship and community with this person, I would never speak to them that, and and everybody in the world is watching this. Mm. How am I gonna respond from that posture? Because if somebody wants to reopen their business, does that mean they they want people to die? Mm. (laughs) And if somebody doesn't like, like, it's, we can't, if so, I would not want to attribute that position to somebody, and they would say, "Well, that's not what I believe," and that—that's kind of the impulse that I'm—I'm I'm seeing, and acknowledging we have people on both all ends of this. We have doctors and business owners in our church, and we love them both, and they love each other. 
this tension that we have between opening and, and, and staying in isolation. We, we have governmental guidelines in place, and, and there's forthcoming guidelines about phase one, phase two, phase three, that, that even we as a staff have talked about this week, about what does that look like for us to reopen as a church and mm -hmm. have people in the building, how do we do that correctly? So I, I think it would be appropriate to just talk about what is the role of government and what is the role of a believer as a church? How do we respond to government in that situation? Are they overstepping? Are they overreaching? Are the guidelines prohibiting us from worship and infringement and infringement on the separation of church and state? I mean, I certainly have some some thoughts there, but just chime in, guys. What do you? Have you related this this idea of? Hey, we're, we're a church, we're under the authority of God, and then there's government saying, hey, you can't meet, you can't do this, you can't do that. What? How do you, how do you respond? So I've been <clears throat> helped a lot by Albert Muller's commentary on that, which is, you know, it's, it's not that this is church persecution. You know, the government isn't coming in and saying churches can't meet. There have been some places where that has happened and it's been, it's been corrected, but... This is an all-encompassing, all-sweeping basketball games, churches, community halls, like everything is shut down. And so for, for us to continue to, is this the question you're even asking? Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I wasn't sure if I was on the right, right path. But um, yeah, for us, to, for us to continue meeting would not only be um, a violation of not not listening to our governmental authorities at this time as a church because it's applying to all society for a brief period of time. You know, we, we can see an end in sight. They're not saying that churches can't meet. They're saying nobody can meet. And they're also saying there will be an end to this shortly. It's not that we're saying nobody can meet for who knows how long. It is a little uncertain, but there's a it's short term for sure. And then on top of that, I think this is definitely a love for neighbor issue. We, we can't sit around and just continue to meet while we put our, our loved ones at risk. There's, there's a, a countless number of people in our own church, our church family, that would be put in great danger if we were to continue meeting like this, for sure. Yeah, I think we've been blessed. I mean, I, I've been alarmed when I saw stuff, I think in Mississippi or yeah. North Carolina, when cops are showing up and they're taking pictures of license plates and they're violating social distance to issue a ticket. That's alarming, but that's also not our context here in Oklahoma. We've been blessed that uh, some of the governmental authorities attend our church and we've had, we've been able to minister to them. And likewise, they're, they're in a place of ministry and to uh, do justice for our neighbor, for our community, for our good. God puts them in place. And yeah, I think right now we we're in a great place where we can submit, and yet the government has said like, "Hey, these are guidelines, and here's you're considering your local context, and we're, we we already have a date in sight to start to return." And so, I've just been thankful for that. I'm glad we're not in some other states where it seems like there are power grabs taking place. Mm. I lament for those folks, but I don't envy their situation. I different context I couldn't speak to entirely, so. Romans chapter 13 reminds us that government has been established by God, that uh, they're an extension of his hand, that, that uh, they wield the sword. 
uh, under his approval. So in a very real sense, all of us as Christians, whether we're pastors of a church or business owners or just citizens, need to recognize that these guidelines are are being issued and, and they are and they can be seen as good, as you said, love for neighbor. So th- there's nothing that I've seen coming out, especially in our local context, that would make me think this is a violation of our liberty. This is a, uh, a, a travesty. This is something that we should rebel against or protest against. Uh, I think the appropriate Christian response, and part of that tension you mentioned earlier, Josh, mm. is that, yeah, we recognize that God has, has placed us in this situation, and we're under authority, and that authority is ultimately from God. So our obedience to the government and the guidelines is ultimately obedience to God himself. Yeah, that's right. So taking a, a slight pivot at this point, something that we have, I have mentioned and a few of us have seen in different ways, and again, through through the, the blessing and curse of social media, is the way Scripture has sometimes get being thrown away, thrown around. Sometimes positively, sometimes flippantly, sometimes just sloppily. So uh, we've seen that the you know the Bethel churches and the the, the healing churches that are closing down. We've seen that. We've seen the shenanigans of some people are like trying to take the the you know take the Kool Aid. This is the this is it. This is the end. <laughs> we've also seen some things are subtler. So. One thing we had mentioned, Brian, I'd love for you to comment on this. 2 Chronicles you know, 7.14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I uh, will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. How is it that last scripture verse should be applied and what are some, some of the nuances or the context of that that would help us to rightly handle that scripture during this time. Yeah, so Second Chronicles 7.14, I've had the church from about week one or so said, hey guys, set an alarm at 7.14 and pray. And, and, and that's based on Second Chronicles 7.14. I, I don't believe that that verse is like this magic formula that if, if we do these things, that God will magically do all these things and he'll bring healing and restoration and, and all that. I don't think it's a formula for uh, unleashing or unpacking some kind of revival movement from God. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's uh, a way that we just somehow uh, earn or merit the favor and the grace of God. What I do think, uh, that that response from God is a response when Solomon is dedicating the temple. And, and Solomon had asked God to, to please be present. And, and the Lord warned, if you experience seasons of pestilence and drought and illness, if you experience those things, then this is how you should respond. So Second Chronicles 7.14 gives us a beautiful model of prayer during times of suffering. We should be humble. We should be seeking his face. We should be repentant. We should be trusting the very promises of God. Mm. And the promise of God is that he hears us, that he forgives us, and he acts on our behalf. Mm. So we've experienced a a lot of answered prayer. I think God has been merciful to us Mm. during this pandemic. When you think about the models that have been projected from the beginning to where we are now, Uh, Governor Cuomo said, God didn't do this, we did this Mm. in New York City. But um, 
kind of reminds me, I never can answer. He, he one time said that, you know, look at what my hand has done. So, mm-hmm. uh, this truly is a response of God being merciful to us. Um, so I think that's an appropriate application of Second Chronicles seven fourteen. This is this is how we should pray when we face those difficult times. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think something you mentioned when we were talking about this before that's really helpful for this is that God can be present and the affliction could remain, mm-hmm. and God could remove His hand of being present and we could have blessing. Just because there's prosperity does not mean that everything you're doing. Is right with the Lord. There are many times northern Israel and and Judah, right, were prospering at least physically, and they were very far from the Lord. Yeah, um, I mean, ask the persecuted church, right? Yeah. Hey, hey, if if you prayed Second Chronicles seven fourteen, has persecution gone away? Mm-hmm. No, but as the church flourished, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or, or look at Paul's life. I mean, he was certainly somebody who was humble and. He saw himself as the chief of sinners, but it wasn't some kind of magical thing that removed this thorn in his flesh, this messenger of Satan. Mm-hmm. God simply said, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's really part of what humility and repentance brings us to, is to recognize our desperate need for him and his grace. And when my alarm goes off at 714, what a beautiful reminder it is to me. I am weak, I am needy, and I need to call out to Christ mm-hmm. for his grace and his mercy to sustain me. So mm-hmm. it's been a blessing for me. Mm-hmm. So that, that, I mean, it's on a national list. You guys want to chime in. But there, we have this big level of Second Chronicles 7.14 and what it's doing to reveal our own sin to cry out to the Lord. But I want to let you guys know on, the, on this micro level of my own family, COVID has revealed more of my sin, <laughs> just being in close proximity than ever before. Namely, and Brian, you can attest to, to what you preached on Sunday, just the the impatience, the, the lashing out out of impatience uh, in, in anger. Uh, how are you guys dealing with that at home, in close proximity with one another, unable to leave? What is God doing in your lives? <laughs> and this, this is the part where we just take off the, the pastor mask and we get off the pedestal, <laughs> the ivory tower that people put us on. <laughs> hey, we're, we're real... Two, we struggle. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Billy Graham once said the truest test of approving your faith is at home. Mm-hmm. It, it's not in where you project yourself at work or school or in the public as a community. You're, you're, you're really seen for who you are and the way you treat your family. Mm-hmm. And being in close proximity for for weeks on end brings out, as you say, Josh, just some of what needs to be corrected and, and, and confessed and turned away from mm-hmm. in our own lives. Um, <laughs> somebody on Facebook said, man, I noticed all those posts about uh, my husband is so great. <laughs> just went away about two weeks in the quarantine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm fortunate that Shonda can look at me at times and say, Brian, you need you need just need to calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And part of part of for me, what's been exposed, I think as a pastor, sometimes I feel like my pastoral care is is going to be, you know, the anchor that brings people through. Mm-hmm. So when you we have people in the <laughs> hospital and experiencing loss and grief and pain and suffering, and man, I can't be there. 
It's hard. Part of that is a good thing to be reminded that you need to be present and with people. Yeah. But part of that is just revealed an own sinful pattern in my own heart, my own life, mm. thinking that my role would be more significant or important than it ought to be. I mean, ultimately, we're trusting people to God's care, not ours. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, if anything, it's, it's exposed my need to be more prayerful and, and calling out for God's presence to be there uh, even when we can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> As we all know, that played out quite a bit last week. One of our dear faithful members passed away and uh, we can look at this possibly it is a God thing her, her husband was told that he would not even be able to come into the hospital and he, he went as far as to take his mother home to, to Oklahoma City to stay in it so he could at least be in a parking lot but uh, he was in fact able to be with his, his spouse mm -hmm. when, when she took her first steps into heaven. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I look, that, look at that as, as being a God thing because mm -hmm. despite what their rules and their requirements, God softened somebody's heart enough that he was able to be in that room. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that but this goes back to the very beginning of Sam Albury about the, um, the desire for the material over, um, or what did he say, the, the, the virtual. Uh, I'm in Philippians, and what I've been encouraged by Paul, who has basically just the clothes on his back. And he begins the book and even ends the book referencing, like, you know, all of Caesar's household greets you. I've got to share the gospel with the imperial guard. And I, it's easy to make this impulse of, of during, during this pandemic to want to sort of secure what I have materially, uh, having enough canned goods and water, do it, is payroll going to continue to come in? And yet Paul is then saying, uh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I'm like, wow, okay. Wow. Thank you, Lord, showing my sin and like wanting to grab a hold of what and trying to keep and I can't take any of these things with me. Yeah. And that drives me back to the prayers of those people that have, you know, passing passing into heaven to be in the presence of, of the comfort of the Lord. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's something the Lord's showing me during this time. Yeah, I've I've been thinking a lot about the things that I'm anxious and worried about too. It's like you know, if if the economy continues to go down, all this stuff happens, and you know, just everything continues to go south economically. If I get in a situation where I all of a sudden am not able to pay any of my bills, I'm not able to keep my house or anything like that. Like I, I just have been so not so worried about it, but more worried about it than I should be. And then I started thinking through, and God's been revealing to me just how superficial. Even a house is, you know. Mm. Even if I lost my house, like, it's gonna be okay. You, you haven't lost your salvation. Mm -hmm. You haven't lost your family. You haven't lost. I mean, even if you do lose lose your family, you haven't lost Jesus. But 
the the repercussions of what we can potentially lose from reasonably lose from COVID are are really not as important as I think we tend to make them. Mm. Well, that brings us back to something that is really more about the art of Second Chronicles. It's not about the treasure. Isn't having a healed land that's prosperous. It's it's God. Mm. It's Christ is the precious treasure to lay hold of. Mm. And the fact that he lays hold of us and we can't be lost is such a comfort because, yeah, I look at that, how other churches are in China, the persecuted church, uh, even the, like the virtual calls, being, I don't know if you saw that in the discern article, being shut down, being arrested <coughs> on the live stream. Yeah. We're not experiencing that. Um, on one hand, I'm thankful for that. On the other hand, man, what a way that Christ is using persecution to sanctify his bride. I wonder if, um, I, yes, the, the promises of Scripture are good and true, mm. and yes, we're we're experiencing real pain. Mm. Um, we're we're <laughs> unemployment numbers are, are beyond what we could have ever imagined in our nation. Um, you, you can't even dial in and and file for unemployment. I mean, people are experiencing loss of income, loss of job, business owners are experiencing major downturns. Um, we had oil a couple of days ago. You're, you're paying somebody $37 a barrel to take that off your hands in negative territory for the price of oil. Yeah. I had an oil economy here in Duncan that um, I, we, we've got people that are really hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we don't want to minimize that pain, mm. but how do we how do we respond to that pain? What what is the what is the Christian response when when bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. I, I, part of it is we're we are given the opportunity, and it is right to grieve. And to lament, and, and and as much as we can be with people in those grief, this is one of the hardest times when people are so receptive. We be so receptive to the gospel, we can't even go door to door. But prayer still works. God is still present, still comfort in time of need. Uh, God is still sovereign. None of this took him by surprise. This isn't a plan B. Uh, or C or D, the gospel mandate still carries through through uh, the gospel of the Great Commission and our, our, our duty to share the gospel still continues. And I think part of that right now is being refreshed with the gospel ourselves. Mm. Um, you can't share the gospel with somebody else when you haven't been reminded of its grace in your life. And so I think part of it is putting, putting what is real pain that we feel, but into this eternal perspective that God gave up his own son even to death and die on the cross and that he has saved us and secured us and and what a joy and comfort I want to sing about that and yet it still hurts Uh, Job said I mean after he ten kids and killed him one day and the response was he tore his clothes and went and worshipped and so I I long for us to be back together 
so we can actually do some of these things in community and, and lament and grieve. There's, I won't be surprised. There's a lot of job cuts coming. This is this is a hard time, no doubt. And, and I think we need to express that, that saying that prayer is a response is not just a trite expression. I mean, it's not just like, oh, well, you should just pray about that. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, sorry, you lost your job, but you, you should just pray. It'll be, no, it, this is a moment where where you're experiencing such loss and can be reminded that there's a greater need that you have and there's a spiritual need in your life um, and and seeking the face of God in, in prayer during times of grief and lament is appropriate um, that's what Jeremiah is saying to a people who are going into exile who lost literally everything uh, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart so God, God knows how to relate to a people who've lost all things, mm -hmm. and, and the, the response is to seek the face of the Lord, yeah. to call out to Him. Mm -hmm. um, I had another thought, I lost it, but it'll come back to me. Here. <laughs> well, while you're thinking about it, there's an illustration that I like that goes along really well with what you're saying. It's when, when thinking through prayer and talking <clears throat> about prayer, it's been said that you should think about prayer as though you're just talking with God and God's walking around with you all day long, every day. Because He is. Mm. You know? Isn't that, isn't that just a cool thought to think like, I should pray without ceasing. As though Jesus is with me all the time. Because He is. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Josh, you spoke about reminding yourself of the gospel. Um, and I think that the cry that we have, just because we're so accustomed to, to experiencing prosperity, experiencing blessing, mm -hmm. when we experience pain and suffering, the, the natural cry of the heart is, where is God? Mm -hmm. You know, where, why is God abandoning me? Why has God left me? Mm -hmm. uh, why am I going through this hurt, this hardship, this pain, this suffering? And, and to be reminded of the gospel is to remind ourselves if I ever doubt the love of God for me, if I ever doubt his care for me and his concern for me, all I need to do is look at the cross. Mm -hmm. Because there eternally he spoke of my worth and my value and his desire to, to be in relationship with me, his love for me. He spared not his only son mm -hmm. uh, who died the sinner's death that I deserve. So eternally that question is settled. So if we ever find ourselves questioning God's faithfulness, God's blessing, uh, look to the cross mm -hmm. uh, because it, it's been settled. It's mm -hmm. good. I almost think we should end it right there.